This is Barbie Jo, and you are listening to Don't Get Lost in the Laundry. This is a show for busy moms and families where we talk about household order and function. We will discuss the tricks of the trade and systems that improve family life and managing a household. Hello, everybody. Barbie Jo here. Today, I have a special treat for you. I am going to introduce you to one of my very best friends. We have been friends for well over 10 years. She is a mom of 10. She is an entrepreneur and she is trying to do all of this from home as well. She is teaching school right now on top of everything. And she is the master of all things when it comes to time management, travel, cooking, and just managing a house of 10 children. And she has done it so well. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Jen. So Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Thanks, Barbie Joe. Yeah, we've been friends. It's, I think, going on 12 years now because we became friends when you were pregnant with, with your 12-year-old. And when yeah. I was pregnant with my 12-year-old twins. Well, they're 12 now. Yeah. So... I I have 10 kids. I'm a sixth grade teacher working from home. Thank goodness I only work part-time. I only work half day. Like you said, I have 10 children. Six are living in the United States right now, and four are at home. Um, Right now, the four are at home are four boys, 14. The twins are 12, and the youngest is 10. Now, I have to mention, sorry to interrupt you. It's okay. Jen is living in Mexico, in the country. And that's where I live. My husband had farms over there, still does. So she is currently in Mexico. So she is living in the country. And she has also made her cooking and baking famous, (laughs) absolutely famous. So you take a skill and you turn it into like liquid gold and every everything you touch honestly turns to gold you were the school photographer for so many years because you are so good at what you do and people started coming to you and asking you uh, to take pictures and then same thing with your cookies your bread your pretzels i could go on and on everything you have done has just (laughs) been phenomenal but i have to mention that you do live in the middle of nowhere (laughs) Yeah, we live in, well, when BJ and I met, we both lived in the Mormon colonies in Mexico. It's in northern Chihuahua, about three hours south of El Paso, three and a half hours south of El Paso. I moved here about 13 years ago, and I think the biggest adjustment was having to start cooking all my meals from scratch because we live about 20 minutes from the nearest restaurant and having to plan my grocery shopping for a month because we go to the States to Sam's every month to get our major groceries because it's actually cheaper that way, believe it or not, even with the gas costs. And then we can get all our favorite things like chocolate chips and good peanut butter and things like that. So those, I think, were the probably the two biggest adjustments. And both of those required a lot of planning. 
that I didn't necessarily do before. Yes, I think that's a great segue. The planning and preparation that we have to live by while we were while we were living in Mexico is was so vital because you you're right. We only went to the states on a monthly basis, but by doing so, made it so much easier to manage your budget, to manage your pantry, to manage the things coming in and out of your home. Didn't don't you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, like I said, we we have to cook so much from scratch because we have to cook every single meal and just basically have a lot of staples on hand. Um, most people I know don't have a lot of pre-packaged freezer food because that can start defrosting pretty quick on the way home. And and I look at like how my life used to be and like how my sister's life is. She literally goes to Walmart every day. And, and, and if you like that, that's fine. But I think that if you go to the store every day, you end up spending a lot more money and, of course, a lot more time. But if you like to spend your time that way, that's fine. But I don't. I actually hate shopping. I'm one of those rare women that do not like shopping. <laughs> and I think you know that, BJ. That's one thing that we don't have in common. <laughs> well, grocery shopping, I will say, is like the bane of my existence because mm-hmm. going into that grocery store, I you know how many times you touch your food before it actually ends up in your refrigerator? I think I counted it's like six times because from the shelf to the <sighs> cart, from the cart to the conveyor belt, from the conveyor belt back into the cart, from the cart to the car, from the car to the fridge. <laughs> so it's like a ridiculous amount of time you are touching your groceries before they actually make it home. So I I hate grocery shopping. Well, that's a lot of times to be touching something, especially in the COVID environment right now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm very happy to only go once a month. And and I do have to go about once every couple of weeks here in Mexico because they don't really like us to bring produce and meat across. And so I'm so fortunate that my husband loves to garden and we have a beautiful greenhouse. And so I can get a lot of my vegetables from there. And I go every couple of weeks to get my meat here in Mexico. So that has been good for me. And um, as a result of, of having to learn to bake from scratch, I got really good at baking and really efficient at baking. And when my, my son, who oh, I don't know how old he was, he was probably about 14, he wanted to earn some money. And the thing about living here in Mexico is their pastries aren't anything like American pastries. They, they're not very fatty. They're more kind of fluffy and airy, not so much salt. And I actually prefer American pastries better. And so I started um, selling. I, I, I gave my son the idea to sell my cookie bars, my chocolate chip cookie bars at his school. And because they were so unique and because the, the Mexican students didn't have access to that kind of thing. I mean, you can't even get real butter here in Mexico where we live um, unless you go to like the Mennonite dairies. So it's only margarine. And most of you probably know that margarine and butter taste way different in baking. So anyway, he wanted to earn $90 to go to George, a George Strait concert with his grandma. And I said, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, sell sell the cookies and he had to sell about 200 cookies maybe 300 yeah i think 300 and he finally did earn the money and it kind of took off from there 
I started selling my cookies at universities, and then I branched out to to pies. I started selling pies at various restaurants. And that's one thing that I'm really kind of proud of about myself because I started a business in a foreign country, only being able to speak about 50% fluency in Spanish. So that's one of my things I'm going to mark off that I've done right in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely an example of being an entrepreneur. You've always helped your kids figure out ways to become entrepreneurs themselves. And they've been able to earn money and raise money for various things that they've wanted to do or purchase. And you've always figured out a way. And so by living in the middle of nowhere with no access to restaurants or even normal grocery stores, that has not slowed you down or stopped you one bit. No, it hasn't. And like I said, it's it's made me more organized than I was before. I, I'm more of a like a spontaneous fly by the seat of my pants type of person. But my husband is the most organized person I know. And he has actually really inspired me a lot in that arena. And so I'm I'm grateful that I'm not one of those people that go to the store every day because I haven't planned out what I need. And I basically have like a little mini store in my home that has, you know, five or six things of everything, every staple I'll ever need. And the great thing about having your own stores in your home is that you can stock whatever you use. Like um, I have turbinado sugar, almond flour, um, swerve sweetener because I'm on the keto diet. And so, you know, my sister has come to visit and she wants to make these very involved things with specialized ingredients. And I almost always have that. I don't have to go to the store because I know that I have to keep those things on hand. So that's, it's kind of really handy to to live that way if you have room. You guys have to see her pantry. Oh my gosh, your pantry is amazing. It really is like a miniature grocery store. You have your shelves stocked. Everything is organized. Everything is just as it would be in a grocery store. And you're right. You have everything you could possibly need. And you're good at replenishing too. So you don't ever run out. That you have a consistent supply. And that takes yeah, a lot of planning. Yeah, that I have to give um, my husband, John, credit for that because he he does love to shop. He's one of those rare men that love to shop. At least there's one person in our family that does. But um, he just keeps us very well stocked. And sometimes he gets things that I don't, don't necessarily need, but that's okay. We always have the things that we need. So that's good. Right. Now, Jen is the one person that introduced me to something that changed my life forever. And that is something that you've heard me talk about before in the past, but is the consequence chores. Because when you're managing so many children, it a lot of work has to get done. And so you're killing two birds with one stone here. You're disciplining and you're getting something checked off the list that needed to be done around the house. So Jen, tell us how you came up with this idea and how you implemented it with all your children. I don't actually remember how I came up with this. I think it may have been from reading a book, maybe. (laughs) I I remember um, I, my son was criticizing me, my grown son for, for some way, something I did during his childhood. And I said, listen, there aren't, there isn't a parenting manual. 
And he goes, actually, yes, there is. There's thousands of books on parenting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, you're right. (laughs) And so I think I must have gotten this idea from, from one of the parenting books I read. But one of my nephews uh, came over as an adult and he had gone away from home and he, he came over to my home one time when we were having Sunday dinner. And, you know, I, I had most of the kids at home, probably nine kids. I never had 10 living under the same roof, but I had nine. And he said he, he was watching the kids. They were all doing something. I had the kitchen divided into quadrants because we have a pretty big kitchen. It's overwhelming for one person. So I always had it divided into quadrants and one kid had to take each, each quadrant. And, you know, some, some kids are working, some are helping cook, some are holding a, a twin baby. And he said, you know, your house is basically like a self-sustaining ecosystem. You, <laughs> you created these children, but then they got older and now they, they help so much that it takes such a load off you. And I've thought about that so many times because we must teach our kids to help in our homes. And and a lot of times it's way more difficult to teach them to work than it is to just do it ourselves. But once we do, once they get it down, once they can cook and they can clean a room to a specific specification and they can drive, then they can actually really be assets instead of, um, what's, what's the word that's the opposite of assets? Liabilities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Liabilities. <laughs> So yeah, like doing chores has always been really important to me. I'm teaching the kids to do chores. And then discipline has also been important. Um, I'm a disciplinarian. My dad was that way. And I always said that I would never be like my dad, but apparently I am. (laughs) And I think think discipline is good. And um, yeah, just like you said, you can knock out two birds with one stone. I've actually started doing something a little differently because I don't know, as you get, my first six kids were from my first husband and he passed away 14 years ago. Yeah. It's actually 16 years ago. And so, and he was in the military. He was gone a lot. He was gone even for six months to a year at a time on several occasions. And so I kind of raised the kids exactly how I wanted kind of alone, basically. But with my next set of children who were with my second husband, he's really, really hands-on, super hands-on dad, but he's not so much of a disciplinarian. So we, I kind of had to change the way I do things because that, you know, dictator tactic didn't work so well. <laughs> not, not that you should necessarily use that tactic, but that's kind of what I lean towards. The, the most recent thing that I've started doing with my kids is that I found that I was nagging and nagging and nagging and everybody just couldn't stand it when I walked into the room because I would, you know, point out how they hadn't done something they were supposed to do. And and with and, and here in Mexico, all of the kids have to do online school. And some of the teachers do a very good job of um, actually teaching the kids online and the parents don't have to do much. We just have to turn on the computer. But some, they just kind of give the kids the assignment and we're expected to, you know, struggle through figuring out what they want. And this being in Spanish too, which, which like I said, I only 
probably I speak a little more than 50%, maybe 70, but there's a lot of words I don't understand. There's a lot of, of, of the teacher's goals that I don't understand. So we end up spending a lot of time homeschooling, especially one kid in particular. So they're home, they're making messes. I actually used to have a maid while I was um, teaching my sixth grade classes. And that, that made it very, and, and I'm also taking classes from BYU-Idaho, so I, I wouldn't have been able to do those two things, I don't think, without a maid, or at least I thought I wouldn't. But now with the coronavirus, uh, I'm seeing that I have to do all that without a maid. And so it was just driving me crazy, so much nagging. The house was always such a mess. And I kind of had like this breakdown. I just, I started lecturing my kids and I actually started crying and I kept crying for so long. And that was like the only time they've ever seen me cry like that. And, and one of the twins said, mom, cause it's, I'm the only girl in the house right now. It's the four boys and my husband. And he said, mom, that was a really strange way to react to the stress that you were dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? And I said, well, what did you think I should do? And he's like, I don't know, yell or punch something or throw something. <laughs> I'm like, well, uh, girls cry. That's what we do. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I didn't need to, uh, I felt like punching something for sure. I actually felt like um, th throwing a hammer through all of your computers. But <laughs> instead of doing that, I just started crying. <laughs> and the kids just had no idea what to do. But it, it was that incident that led me to to realize I have to change something. And so I just started thinking and praying. And what came to me was that I am going to start doing the imperative chores, which are feeding the dogs and the cats and the chickens and picking up the chicken eggs. Because if those don't get done, then, then creatures die. So those to me are really important. All of my kids know how to cook. My 10-year-old is venturing into the gourmet cooking territory. He's an excellent, quite a bit of weight during the coronavirus because he spends all his time cooking and eating. <laughs> he told me he's going to slim down once school starts again. But <laughs> for now, he's learning a lot. So I decided I'm going to do, and, and my kids were doing the, the, the chores of the dogs and the cats because they're the ones who, who want pets. And they were what, the ones taking care of the chickens because I thought, well, those are good little boy chores to do. You know, I, I'm the mom. I should be cleaning the house and cooking. But I decided that I was going to do those chores and they were going to start doing all the cooking and cleaning. So I made a, a list of about 10 daily chores that are expected of them. I told them I'm going to be feeding the dogs and cats, taking care of the chickens. I will make you a healthy breakfast every day because I don't like you to eat cereal. I'll make you a vegetable tray and a pot of beans. And if you want something to eat above and beyond that, then you guys can make it yourself. And, and I told them, these are the chores that have to get done. They I'm going to check them at eight o'clock every night. And if they're not done, then none of you can use the computers the next day. And they're like, well, who's going to do which chore? I said, I don't know. And I don't care. You guys figure it out. And so they immediately sat down and, and I, I kind of jokingly said, we're going to call this the, the Lord of the Flies chores because it's basically a bunch of teenage and adolescent boys in charge. And hopefully it doesn't end in the sad way that the Lord of the Flies ended. <laughs> but um, so 
they came up with their own tactics. They came up with their own punishments. If one person doesn't do their chore, because they said, what if one person doesn't do it? I said, I don't care. What matters is that it all gets done. So you're going to have to deal with that one person who doesn't do their chores. And uh, BJ, it's been amazing. I don't ever nag anymore. I say that, you know, I give little reminders like, hey, in two hours after my walk, I'm going to check your chores. And then, you know, when an hour before, hey, I hope everybody's ready in an hour. And, and they're usually not. And the oldest one will start getting on to everybody about doing their chores. And yesterday was a really interesting um, incident because the oldest one, he didn't like the way the littlest one had put his dishes away. And so he kind of put him in a headlock and started manhandling him and he hurt him. And so he got all upset and started crying and he, he kind of went to hide. And, you know, I, I tried to help him as much as I could, but he didn't want anything to do with me, the little one who got hurt. And so he just went and hid, but they didn't start doing their chores for like half an hour before it was time for me to check. And, and all the kids were like, well, where's Daniel? He has all this work to do. I said, I don't know. Um, talk to your older brother who heard him. And now nobody knows where he is. So you guys are just going to have to figure it out. And so they all ended up having to do his chores, but then they implemented the punishment that they had all agreed on. So the chores got done. I think they learned some lessons and I didn't have to nag anybody. So that's just kind of one example of the way it works. Not every day does someone get hurt, but in fact, that was the first day. <laughs> but it's been an interesting learning experience. I think that's so good because often I would find that it is just easier to do it yourself and it's less oh, stressful and you don't have to nag anyone. You don't get a sore throat and, and it gets done the right way, the way you want it to get done. It's so much easier, but in the long run, you are enabling your children. You are not teaching them anything and you are not setting them up to be successful functioning adults. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and my house doesn't honestly look like I want it to look, but to me, it's so much more important that the kids are learning to work and and yeah, it's way easier to do it by yourself and sometimes more rewarding too. But with this new system I've put into place, I actually have a lot more time because most moms know that you spend like your whole time in the kitchen, especially if you like to cook and you're always kind of puttering around the kitchen, you're wiping things. And I know when I've gone to visit you, BJ, I sit at your island and you're, you're cleaning and you're wiping and, and the same thing when you visit me, you know, you're sitting at my island, I'm standing, you know, making things cleaner than they were. But I have just completely just given up control of cleaning the kitchen to the boys. And uh, we have three sinks. I keep all my preparation dishes in one sink because I don't expect them to clean after up after me. Um, but I found that I have a lot more time to, to experiment with cooking because I'm just worrying about my own little little messes, not the whole breakfast mess and not making lunch because they have to make their own lunch. And it's actually been really fun because in my, my BYU-Idaho class is, is called Food and Beverage, and it's training us how to open our own restaurant. Awesome. Yeah, this class has been so much fun because um, I, I get all these menu ideas and I can practice them. 
And I have all this time to practice now instead of just constantly trying to keep the kitchen clean. So it's been real, really nice. Okay. If anyone listening out there is thinking, I have too much on my plate. I just don't have enough time in the day. I don't have hired help. I don't have whatever. I want you to just listen to Jen. She, here she is, a school teacher, a mother of 10, an entrepreneur in the middle of nowhere where she has to be super resourceful and super prepared at all times while attending college classes right now. And she's finding time to go for walks and experiment in the kitchen. Okay, I don't want to hear anybody complain that they don't have enough time in the day or that they just can't do it because you are an example to so many of how you can have it all and do it all and be able to manage it well. Well, you know what I've found out is you have to just do it little by little. Like um, I've been going to school for how many years? I, I guess this is my third year. I've gone back to college. You know, most people get their degree in four years, but I just have to realize that it's not my season to completely focus on, on university right now. And you should know that my teaching job pays so little. Mexican wages are so low. And I usually spend almost all of my income on teaching supplies and, and various things related to teaching. That it basically is a, a volunteer position. And some people say, well, why don't you actually get a real job? And the reason is, is because I feel like this is what I'm called to do. I'm, I'm supposed to help do this in my community. And if I didn't, I could take 15 hours of college each, each semester and get it done in, in three years. But I, just to be a balanced person, it just, for me, it's, it's being a mom, it's a volunteering in my community. And one of the things that actually has helped me organize myself the most in my life is something I learned in one of my first classes because we read a lot of self-help books and we could choose some of them. But I read a book called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. I think you say his name. And one of the things he said was that we have to decide what's, what's the maybe the three to four most important things in our life. Because there's a lot of good things that we can do in our life. And, and the, one of our church leaders, Dallin H. Oaks, says that too, that there's good things, there's better things, and there's the best things. And there's no way we can do them all. So we have to, so we have to know what our priorities are. And then when somebody asks us to spend our time doing things that take us away from those priorities, we need to learn to say no. And that was very, very hard for me to do. But I did make a list of priorities. And so they are, are God, family, my health, helping children in the community, and self-improvement. And so those are my five priorities. If, if somebody asks me to do something that helps the children in the community, I will seriously evaluate it and think about doing it. If somebody is doing a service project in our church, you know, that would be a, a reasonable thing. But if somebody asks me if I can take pictures of their 50th year graduation for free, then I've learned to say no to things like that. Whereas before, I would have felt really bad. This is one way. And, and so like going, to, going back to school is, fits into my self-improvement goal. And 
being a volunteer teacher fits into my helping children in the community role. And I used to actually give piano lessons before school too, but because of the coronavirus and being that on hold for now. That I think is probably one of the things that changed my life the most and gave me the most focus because I don't think I would have the willpower to keep going to school every semester knowing that I'm not going to graduate until 2026. But I just keep telling myself, like, these six years are going to go by. I might as well just spend a little bit of time every semester studying. And then by the time, you know, that time is done, by the time all my kids move out in eight years, I'll have a degree. And I could actually start working and making money and traveling the world, which are some of my life goals there. So I think that is amazing. That is so good because you're right. The years will pass by anyway. Might as well be working towards something while the time is passing. I remember one time um, someone in, in town, in the community there, told me no for something. Like I had reached out and asked her for something and she told me no. And the way she said it was so non-offensive and, and so refreshing that I've learned to adapt it. And you mentioned it too. She said, sorry, I can't. It's just not my season. And I thought, bingo. That is something every mom needs to implement into her vocabulary because we don't like saying no. We feel like we're letting someone down or hurting somebody's feelings or disappointing. And we need to learn that by saying no is actually empowering us to do those things that we actually want to be doing or need to be doing. And you can say no in such a way that it's not offensive, it's not abrasive, but just no. You know, I would love to, but right now it's not my season, I think was a brilliant way to put it and something that really stuck with me. And so I think you're spot on there. You have to be so selective of what your priorities are and stay focused on those. And yes, we have to readjust those priorities every now and then because the seasons of life change. And so we need to evaluate every so often and do that. Did you have anything else you wanted to share with us before we say goodbye? Well, just touching on the last thing you said, um, the reason that we need to learn to say no is because if we say yes to everything, we end up spreading ourselves too thin and then we are not successful at anything. We're just like, we, we, we can only give everything like a half-baked effort. But if you put your full force and soul and heart into your four, three, four, five most important things, you're going to really succeed at life if you do that. So I, I guess I would probably end with that. That is so good. That is such good advice. Yeah. I am so happy that you came on the show and that we could record just a typical conversation that we normally have between the two of us and kind of let everyone peek into our our lives and what we've experienced. Um, so tell everybody, how can we find you? Where are you hanging out? So if people want to learn more about you and how you been so successful at raising a family and and doing all the things you're doing how can we find you well i love photography and i actually have about five different instagram sites for my different interests but if you want to go to my main instagram it's mom to my 10 mom to uh. the 10 and that will lead you to a, a blog i've 
written. It's it's kind of um, outdated a little bit, but it, it will take you to the food I make, um, the way we live here in Mexico, my keto experience that I've, I've been doing for a year and a half or so. So, And I, I would love to uh, make new friends. So send me a message or a comment on my Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today, Jen. And I hope to have you on again. Well, thank you. I would love to come on. And it was great talking to you. And, and I'm sorry that we hardly ever get to see each other anymore. I know. But this was a great way to connect. And, and yeah. have a great week. Thanks, Jen. You too. Thank you for listening to Don't Get Lost in the Laundry. Don't forget to check out our website at barbiejoe.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you've got to check out my programs. I'd love to have you join me at barbiejoe.com. Oh,